0: Today I'm here to talk about my nesting dolls of failure, because when I fail, I fail spectacularly. My name is Annette M. Vadney, but I'm actually affectionately known on the UMass Amherst campus as the Purple Hair Librarian at umass.edu. It all started with an amazing opportunity that I had working at UMass Amherst. Um, I was asked by... Someone at our UMass Center in Springfield, they do a College Matters for You program where they introduce sort of the idea of college to Springfield, Massachusetts students, grades K through 12, you know, who may be first generation students or future first-generation students. So this gives them kind of an experience um, and plants the seed of an option after high school to go to college for students or children that may not have that experience in their households or in their own families. So it was very exciting. They never had a librarian do these before. So I was going in there trying to kind of promote libraries and librarianship It'd be great if some of these students became librarians, but at the very least, I wanted to make it be something fun and interesting um, and help maybe break some of the librarian stereotypes down. So, not kind of knowing what to do with this, I took inspiration from my husband, who works in IT, and they used to have where he works Inspiration Fridays. It's Friday. So every Friday they would have meetings and it was kind of their day to come up with some new ideas and to work on projects that they don't normally get to during the rest of their work week. So it got me inspired to ask my boss and to get support from the dean to have a flexible schedule on one Friday a month. I called them Inspiration Fridays and I would go off-site and work on these special projects. So it was really great. The first couple of Fridays were amazing. I worked out the program for the students and it was it was a really good experience and it gave me time to not be interrupted by coworkers and things like that and to really just dive into, you know, a full day of just working on something. So it worked out really well. I did get the program down for the students. I definitely over-engineered it the first time, and I may have expected a little bit um, – I guess it was hard for me to know what, like, maybe a fourth grader would know. You know, I looked out into the audience of very boring, like, you know, fourth graders, and they don't hide their, their emotions um, at all to make someone not feel bad. Um. So it was very painful, a lot of fidgeting, a lot of full like body on the desk, like upper body just kind of, you know, trying to stay awake. And I think a lot of the teacher trying to keep the murmuring and chit chat down to a middle. <laughs> and I even realized within it, I had kind of had these cards with like you know how much money do you think a doctor makes, and things like that, and I realized the age group that I at least had that day, if you would have told them they had you know doctors made a hundred dollars, they probably would have been really impressed. so I realized, and I literally was up there in front of a room full of students, realizing none of these cards are really going to work like I thought they would they're not they're not mean, I mean, I didn't get heckled. Or, you know, a cane and pulled off the stage. So I don't even remember how I did it. But I did get through that first session, learned a lot from failing miserably. And then I restructured the program. Um, I've done it now for, well, before COVID, like four or five years. And it's very different than the way I first started it. So it was only like my third or fourth, and I was getting better there was this little kid, and I always tell him to email me because I don't think there's going to be a flood of fourth graders emailing me. Um, and if there is, there's worse things than that. I was walking out of the room and this little kid called me over and oh, he looked up at me and he said, can you give me your email? I think I want to be a librarian when I grow up. I still get chills. I floated out of there. I went to my car Realized I had never grabbed my bag, my jacket, or anything. I was just so elated that this young, beautiful young man looked up at me with his big brown eyes wanting to be a librarian that I just like literally like was like, my work is done. Um, Not really. And then, so I went to the car and realized I can't get in my own vehicle. After that project, I still maintained Innovation Fridays. Um, I realized it's very hard to be innovative. So I'm going to tell you right now, be innovative, go. It's not, that's not how innovation works. It usually for me comes either in the shower or a drive to work or in the grocery store aisle. It doesn't happen because it's scheduled. So after the first, after I had the project to work on, I kind of fell apart after that. I would check my email. I don't think my email was ever that organized on that day. And I found out I was doing kind of like housekeeping things and things I don't normally prioritize. But again, for me, scheduling innovations, not it, I, it was ridiculous to even think I could do that. So I would have to say, after about the sixth, seventh Innovation Fridays, I kind of told my boss, like, I think I, you know, I think I've gotten what I needed out of them. And, And instead, I should maybe schedule time weekly so that when inspiration does occur, I have a little time to work on it as opposed to scheduling innovations. Where the nesting, kind of nesting dolls of failure, is for a conference for the ACRL New England chapter. I did my very first poster session the poster session that I did for the ACRL New England chapter was about my misadventures in scheduling innovation. So it was all about my experience with that College Matters for You program and and how scheduling innovation may sound like a good idea um, in theory, but in execution, I don't think that's how innovation kind of works. It needs to Just kind of be a little seed of an idea that you expand and grow. Um, I had never done a poster, and I unfortunately waited till the last minute, and I made the poster on a 13-inch screen, and it looked really nice. Um, Never thought to expand it or maybe do it at 100% just to see what would happen. So when I sent it to the printer that morning on my way to Plymouth, Massachusetts, which is about a two-hour drive from my house, and I went and I got the poster and was quite shocked at the size. Uh Um, I believe it can be seen from space, depending where it's located on Earth. I call it the Reader Digest poster because it's surprisingly large. I think the cat on it ended up being like actual size. So I went to the conference and, oh, I was so afraid. I was so afraid to put the poster up. You know, everyone's gathering in the poster room. And I'm just like, oh, my God, how can I put this up and, like, run? And I'm not a runner. But the good thing is many people actually liked it. Um, One uh, one lady spoke to me and said it was her favorite poster because oftentimes people want to put everything on the poster. And then it ends up being a 10-point font. And maybe you need to give out, you know, your school logo on a magnifying glass so people can read um, what your poster session's about. Maybe she was just being a kind soul. I don't know. I learned a lot through all of it that I still maintain in my work today. Um, I don't procrastinate as much. If it's something I've never done, I research it before, you know, maybe read about like, you know, how to do a poster session. I've learned that. I learned... You know to to try things because you never know what's gonna work so you know don't be afraid to try things or you know at least ask people if you think it's kind of an interesting idea um, at least you know bounce it off of people that you feel will be honest with you if the I if they don't think the idea is good You have been listening to Library Failure Confessions, a podcast from the League of Awesome Librarians. Library Failure Confessions is edited and produced by Sam Hansen and executive produced by Ashley Mayner. To learn more about this episode's confessor and the music and sound effects used, head on over to the show's website, libfails.com podcast. And if you would like to be a confessor, all you have to do is submit your failure at libfails.com/podsub. That's libfails.com/podsub. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, fail is just a four-letter word.